Thank you for listening to Elohim Christian Church's podcast. We're a place where imperfect people worship and meet a perfect God. If this is your first time listening, we're located in Richmond Hill in Queens, New York City, and are led by pastors Carlos and Rebecca Medina. If you're looking for a place to worship and to know Jesus, we would love to meet you and see you in person. Find us online at www.elohimchurch.org so we can connect. And now, here's this week's message. If you can look in your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 4, then we're going to read 6, then 8, then 11 through 19. We all have it. Amen. And we read the word in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it. And had taken captive the women and everyone else in it. Both young and old. They killed none of them. I want you to pay attention to that. They killed none of them. But carrying them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Let's go to verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each of them was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in his Lord. But David, you see that those little three letters, but, make a whole, it changes everything that happened before that. And when you add God to it, it just takes it to a whole nother level. Let's just now go to verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, should I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Look at answer. Look how God answers to David. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Why? Because he went to Jesus first. Because he acted in a word that was given to him by Jesus. Let's go to chapter, verse 11 through 19. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. Part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill Three days ago, just pay attention to this. It took them three days to get home, right? Now he finds these men three days later. That's six days already. We raided the Negev of the Kiratites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag. They burned David's house. David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master. And I will take you down to them. That's something hard to do. Somebody destroyed my family. Somebody destroys my home. Somebody takes my family. And then he tells me I did it. 
It takes a real courage not to act and not to behead that person. But you see David in here. Now he says, verse 16, he let them, he let David down and there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder that had taken from the land of the Philistine and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and flee. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. You might be seated. Today I would like to speak to you under the theme, it is time to take back what the enemy took from you. If you just think about that for a minute, I'm sure that all of us can think about a thing or two, three or four that we have lost at this moment. And we have lost our focus. I don't know if you, if you have heard in 1010 Wins or you have seen in the news, right, on your TV, when they have these low advertisements, you know, the Salino and Barnes, you know, the health insurance company was offering me $200,000. And then I went to Salino and Salino got me a million dollars. Sometimes I'm like, God, can I get hurt? Even if it is just the arm, just the arm, just the arm. I give up the arm for like a few weeks for $50,000. But then at the end, after they hype you up and they tell you that they can get you all of this, what do they say? Pass result, do no guarantee future outcomes. You know which past result guarantees a future outcome? That man that was laying on the cross. That man that was sacrificed on the cross. You see, that result will guarantee your future outcome. So who do you put your trust in the moment of need? Who do you, who do you go to when things are just falling apart? Who do you go to when the bad news hit your door? A lot of times we just lost focus and we forget that the same way that he took you out before, he's going to do it again. We need to be reminded that because of that past result, your future is guaranteed. You see, we don't know what the future holds. A lot of people like to go and see this, um, these people that see the future so they can let them know what is it that they need. And I feel like telling them, just grab the Bible. Grab the Bible and you know how you're going to end up. That's all you need. Because the Bible is the only secure place. You see, the simple definition of dead is no longer alive. All the words for it are deceased, expired, departed, gone, no more, passed on, perish, lifeless. But there is a big difference between something that is gone and something that has been misplaced or that is lost at the moment. You see, there is always hope to those who are alive. And in the absence of death, there is hope. Now let's meet today's characters from, from, today's, from today's message. We have David, a leader, a warrior, a man of faith, and a family man. Now we have his men, a group of fellows that came to him seeking for a leader. The Bible introduces them to us in 1 Samuel 22:2 as men in distress, in debt, and discontented. This doesn't talk about that these were family men. So we can see how David how David's influence on them, how far he took them. See, we have the Amalekites, 
the raiders who brought destruction to David's city and took captive his family and the families of his men. Listen, due to death in our lives, we all have experienced unthinkable and at the moment unbearable pain and sorrow. We have all gone through it. So today I want to talk to you about the things that you have lost, misplaced, and they're just eating you alive. This could be your identity. This could be your confidence. This could be your marriage. This could be your health. This could be your kids. This could be your job. This could be society. And I could keep going on and on and on until you're going to identify with something. Because we all, we are all going through something. Now, four things that we can find in today's story. Number one, don't get discouraged or confused by the signals. Let's read verse one, two, and three. Look what he says. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. See, David was coming back from a long journey. And on the third day, he finally reached home. From a distance, all they could see is smoke. Maybe they thought, oh, maybe they're just making some food for us. Maybe they're just preparing a feast for us. Maybe they're going to celebrate the soldiers. Maybe it's going to be a triumphal return. They didn't think that they were going to find a mess when they got home. And we all have come home. This is something that we can all relate to. You come home all excited. You have good news. You open the door. Your son or your daughter is waiting for you. I failed a class. You kidding me? Or they call you, your mom. Oh, I got bad results from a test. The wife, the sink broke. You got to fix it. And all the excitement that we had because of the news... It just goes down in a heartbeat. So you go from here to here. So you see David and his men, they were on cloud nine. They were tired, but they were excited about being back home. But that all changes. You see, life, life is full of surprises. But I'm here to tell you, they're not always and they're not all the good kind. I know that we like the word surprise, but there's surprise that can bring you joy and there's surprises that could break you down. But regardless of the surprise, if you're clean unto Jesus, that should not change your demeanor. That should not change your faith. That should not change your determination. That should not change your commitment to Christ. Because though I walk in the valley of the shadow, I shall, not fear, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff are with me. Right? I remember when I was coming to this country. And it was rough. It took me about a month to get here. Some of you might know the story. And I was doing things that were not pleasing to God. But every time, every time things would get rough, Psalms 23, I would put it away. God would take me out. I would go and do my thing over there. Things would get rough. Psalms 23. But every time I would read it, I will know. I don't know when am I going to get to the U.S. But I know that God is going to take me there. I know because he promised my mother that he was going to take me there. Because there's people praying for me, expecting me there. And because that, I could trust the Lord. You see, God never promised you and I a life without troubles. What does John 16, says? It says, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, 
Christian that hasn't overcome the world is because you have not put your faith in Jesus. See, a lot of things, we want to do this on our own. We want to be the men. I'm going to talk to the men now. We think that we're too macho to serve Christ. We think that we're too strong. Oh, and if I, if I come down, if I humble myself to Jesus, it's going to be a, a sign of weakness. But let me ask you something. How many of us, if we're on the cross, for no reason of our own, and people are just making fun of you, people are telling you, oh, get down from there, if you claim to be the son of God, and you have in that power, how many of us will just stay there and take that punishment for the man that is down there? I know I wouldn't. If I had the power, I would just wipe them all out. See, that's a real man. That's a real man. When you have the power to do something, but you contain yourself and you say, no, I am a servant of God. And before I could act, God can act for me. But a lot of times we want to take God's place and we want to do God's work. When it comes to take matters into our own hands because of people that are hurting you. But we need to let God be God. And I'm not saying that we can't be honest about our struggles. I mean, look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. There is nothing wrong to show your emotions to God. You see, we, we come from a generation back then that you couldn't really tell God what was going on in your life. You couldn't really tell a brother what was going on with your life. There were certain things that you were struggling with as a man, but you couldn't say it to the person right next to you because it was a taboo. If I tell them that I'm dealing with pornography, he's going to look at me less. If I tell him that I'm dealing with loss, oh, he's going to look at me down. If I tell the sister that I'm doubting, she's going to call me a doubter. If I tell the sister that I have no strength, she's going to call me weak. But you see, God is not looking for the strong one. God is not looking for the one that knows it all. Because you never will know more than God. You will never be more, more powerful than God. So if that's you, I'm sorry, this is not for you. But if you're the one that is weak, if you're the one that don't know anything, this is for you. God is right here to tell you, come, 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 come. I can't do nothing with your strength, but I could do something with your willingness. God is not looking for a strong heart. God is looking for a willing heart. The strength will come as we develop our relationship with Christ. So we need to understand that. See, they cried until they couldn't cry no more. See, David, David probably second guess his decision to leave no one behind to protect their families. He probably thought, I shouldn't have gone. I should have come back earlier. And you can think about the could have, the should have, the would have, but none of that is gonna help. Too many of us are just so in that past. Why did I do this? Why did I go here? Why did I open that door? And God is like, I can't do nothing with the what if. You need to come to me. You see, God, the only thing that he can do with your past is redeem you from it. He can take your future. He can take your present. He can work in your future. But the past, all he can do is, I'm going to redeem you from it. So you know from where I took you from. That's the only thing that he can do. Look what Paul says in Philippians 3.13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining what is ahead. Too many of us are looking at the goal, which is Christ, but we're walking like this. 
And it's a, oh, no, God is not. Look forward. Look forward. I can do nothing about the past. The past isn't the past. Do you want to think about the past? Think about the things that I took you out from. Think about, think about how bad you were and think how you are right now. Think about how sick you were and think how, how healthy you are now. Think about your marriage and the mess that it was, but look what it is right now. And when you see the problems ahead, you'll be like, listen, it doesn't matter. He did it before. He's going to do it again. There is a giant before me. It's greater the one who's with me than the giant that is before me. We need to look forward. We can't keep looking back. You see, God can only heal the sick. He can only provide for the one in need. He can only strength the weak. He can only fix the broken one. But too many of us are just walking around like we got it all together. And God is knocking in our door. And God is telling us, you got to let it go, man. You got to let it go, lady. You can't do nothing with it. You've been carrying this burden for so long and you haven't done anything. What happened with that woman for 12 years? She went everywhere. She spent everything that she had trying to fix the problem until he couldn't no more. But he heard about Jesus. He didn't have a doctor degree. He wasn't a doctor, right? He wasn't a surgeon, but he was a son of man. He was the great there is. He was the Lord and Savior. He was the Redeemer. He was the one who healed the sick before. So she knew she can do it again. And that's what we need to do. See, we can't focus on the mixed signals. We can't be despair because of the things that we're facing. We can't just uh, measure God by our problems. You see, and I heard and I read this. Life is a lane of problems, troubles, and blessings. Battles and blessings. You could be having a great marriage. But you might be having problems in your job. You might be having great, you might be doing great in your job, but then your marriage or your kids or financially. But why is that? Why is it that God allows that? Because we need to go back to the source. If not, we're going to become self-sufficient. And God is not looking for self-sufficient people. God is looking for people that depend on him. God-sufficient people. People that are able to look for God in the midst of trouble. People that will say, you know what? I can't. Uh, just take me, just as I am. I've been dealing with this, but I can't do it no more. And we cannot get discouraged by the mixed signals. Because one thing is, the one thing that is true is the calling that God has upon your life. The one thing that is true is that one day that trumpet will sound. And those who are alive in a blink of an eye will be transformed and will meet Jesus up in heaven. And those who are dead will do the same thing. That's our truth. That's your truth and that's my truth. And that's what we fight for. But we need to focus on Jesus. And we need to remember that he will never leave us and forsake us. Point number two, don't forget that you're surrounded by humans. How easily it is to forget that we're surrounded by humans. Look at verse six. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each of them was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found a strength in the Lord his God. The forgotten ones, the despite ones, that came to David looking for leadership found it. Look at Samuel, First of Samuel 22, 2 says, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. But now they're talking about stoning him. See, people do crazy, unthinkable things when they're hurt. And the closer they are to you, the more irrational that they could act. But we need to see past the anger and the pain. 
See, her people, her others. Forgiven people, forgive others. But how easy it is for us to hurt someone when we're being hurt and we forget that we were forgiven once. We forget that we were the one hurting someone once. And I wish that I could tell you, oh, but we're never going to do it again. But no, we're constantly, we hurt people, whether it is directly or indirectly because we want to, because we don't want to. That's just humanity. So we need to extend grace the same way that grace was extended to you and to me. None of us deserve it. Raise your hand if you deserve grace. Raise it. Raise your hand if you think that God owes you your life. Raise your hand if you, if you can tell me, I have to have a good marriage. I have to have healthy kids. I have to have a good job. I have to have it all. Raise your hand. There's nobody in this world can do that. Absolutely nothing. Because you know what? Once we put, if you start putting in a, in a measured thing, right? If you start putting the things that are good and the things that are bad, I guarantee you anything that is bad will always surpass everything that is good. That's just how we are. But how beautiful it is to know that when God sees us, he doesn't see the sin, but he sees a loving. He sees a heart that is in need of a savior. He sees someone that is in need. Now, we cannot take, and I like what Brother Joel posted this week. We cannot take God's grace just to abuse it and be like, well, you know, God has grace, so I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. God cannot be taken for a fool. You and I will not take God for a fool. See, God knows your heart the same way that I don't know my heart, that I don't know your heart. God knows what is it. What is it that the things that you're really, really struggling and the things that you're like, well, God says that he's graceful, so I'm just going to keep doing this. No, I did that. I did that for many, 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 many years. Until God had to confront me. And he said, who do you think you're fooling? You're fooling the pastor. But if I come right here, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? If that trumpet goes off right now, where are you going to go, Renee? You think that I care that you teach Sunday school? Eh. You think that I care that you preach? Eh. I don't care about none of that. You think that I care that you pray? Eh. How are you living your life? How truthful are you are to the calling that I have upon you? When you struggle, who do you go to? When others are hurting you, who do you go to? Who's you go to? Do you go to the phone or you go to the throne? That's what Joyce Meyer says. A lot of us, we get hurt, but we go to the phone, but we never go to the throne. We put it all out there in Facebook and Instagram. Oh my God, I'm going through this, I'm going through this. And, this. and, we never, and, and God is like, okay, what did it do for you? They give you a good comment, good. And I help you a little bit, but you need to come. You, you need to bring it before me. You need to bring that problem before me. You want to forgive that person? You got to bring it before me. Don't put it in Facebook. Oh, but he did this, she did this, she did this. She did. Looking for justification to be mean to another person. God is like, listen, you know how mean you have been to me? And have I ever been mean to you? After all the times that you have screwed me, have I ever been mean to you? Have I ever paid you what you deserve? And we can all say, no, God, you haven't. So the God is like, okay, bring it before me. Because you see, you need to forgive, but I will give you the strength to forgive that person. Because there are people that it will take God in us to forgive that person. Because of the hurt that that person has given us. But we need to remember that they're humans. Okay? We need to remember that they're just people, just like you and me. Listen, Jesus suffered the wrath of humanity. 
Are you better? Are you and I better than Jesus? We're not. So if Jesus suffered the wrath of humanity, how can we say that we don't deserve to suffer? But the beauty of it is to know that we're suffering with a purpose. To know that this is my, this is a glimpse of your whole life, right? This is not your whole life. If I was to take one of these cords, right? I don't want to take them because then they'll kill me. But you see the little tip that you put into the wall, right? Or into one of those things. And then there's that long cord. You see, sometimes we think that our life is the long, long, long cord. And God is like, eh, it's just that little tip that is connected to the source of power. That's your life. So you want to lose your life for 70 and 80, 70 or 80 years when you're talking about eternity. So we need to be mindful of what we're doing. And we need to understand that this world is not going to accept us. But we can't be mean to them. We can't pay them hurt when they're hurting us. We just can't pay it like that. Because you see, a divided world will reject those who don't fit their pattern. Our marriage doesn't fit the pattern of society right now. So they will judge you for their marriage. Your kids, if they're committed to Christ, they just don't fit the pattern of that world. So they will judge your kids. The way you act at work do not fit the pattern of the world because now it's like, oh, i got to stab you so I can move ahead. So people will talk about you. But don't worry about it. As Christians, we need to develop thick skin. We need to be like, listen, I'm just passing by. If that's your job, God is going to give it to you. I ain't fighting for it. God wants to give it to me. He will give it to me regardless of whether you, or whether you want me to have it or not. Oh, you're, 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 oh, you know what? You're just wishing me bad on my marriage because your marriage is struggling. You can do that all you want, but all I'm going to do, I'm going to pray for your marriage. But we need to understand that we're not going to fit in this world. And we need to remember. I remember seeing this in a, in a video. And they asked a pastor, Pastor, where do we stand as a church? Are we a left church or are we a right church? Pastor goes like, what? Yeah, we're left. Uh, you know, do we follow the donkey or do we follow the elephant? Are we Republican or we Democrat? The pastor goes, listen, we follow the lamb. The lamb is the one that died for each and every single one of us. We stand in the word of God and what the word of God says. So if the word of God says that marriage is between a woman and a man, that's the stand of the church. Okay? If the word of God says that we have to treat others as we want to be treated, that's, how we, that's where we are going to stand. But see, a lot of us, we want to be Republican and Democrat before we are Christians. We're more proud about a political party than our salvation in Christ. And no politician is going to die for you. No blood of a politician will, will, will wash you for your sins. Only the blood of Jesus can do that. See, we fight people for their identity. But the problem is when you identify with Christ, people want to see, I want to be like you are. I don't have to tell them about anything. What are our priorities? We need to see the people. We need to see their hurt in people before they see the attack that they're putting on us. We need, am I edifying this person with my answer? Am I blessing this person with that answer, regardless of what that person is telling you. 
How are we going to change the world? We're going to change the world by being polite, by being kind to the world. You see, in the midst, what verse 6 says, but David found a strength in the Lord. See, God has to give you that strength. See, we need to stop and we need to see everything through the lens and the power of God. We need to stop telling God, oh, but my problem is this big. My problem is this. What I'm going through is this. And we need to sit down and tell our problem how much bigger our God is. It's all about, it's all about, it's all about a matter of perspective. We all facing giants. We're all going through difficult situations. We're all crying for something. We all experience pain in some way or another. But you know what the difference is? Who's you go to in the midst of trouble? What's your reaction in the midst of trouble? What is it that you do when things are not going your way? Right? I don't know if you guys remember the VeggieTales. Some of the young kids might not know the VeggieTales. Some of the old ones might know the VeggieTales. Remember the VeggieTales in, the, in that song? I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to say, God is bigger than the boogeyman, the Godzilla, and the monsters of TV. You will sing that song to the kid, and the kid will be like, yes, I can go to sleep right now. Why? Because mommy and daddy said that God is bigger than Godzilla, the monsters of TV, and then the boogeyman. So they have no power over me. We grew up, and then we forget, and we think that the boogeyman somehow became bigger than God. We think that Godzilla became bigger than God. We think, we think that the monsters became bigger than God. And God is, ain't nobody bigger than me. Ain't nobody stronger than me. Ain't nobody no more powerful than me. So nobody can touch you. Thousands will come before you, but they will die right there. I will be with you. And if you have to go through the struggles, like Pastor Joseph, do not worry. Wake me up and I will make sure that everything, I will give you the peace that nobody can give you. It's just a matter of perspective. It's just a matter of embracing. You see, God answered Daniel when he called. God answered Elijah when he called. He answered David when he called. He answered Moses. He answered Joseph. He answered Paul, Peter, John. And do you think that he's not going to answer you when you call out to him? But we need to call out to him. We need to remember that we don't move by the mixed signals, nor by emotions. We move by the word of God and the promises that he has for you and for me. See, those around you are humans like you. Don't expect others to be superhuman. Understand that they're humans in pain just like you are, right? And you will be hurt. But how nice is to know that when we hurt, we also comforted by God. There's nothing worse than suffering without having hope. But the hope of Jesus overcomes the discomfort in our lives. Not that the pain goes away, but we see everything differently. We know that this is just for a second. We know just for a season, but the end, at the end, will come out on top. Point number three, those hurting you can be used by God to bless you. Verses 11 through 15 says, They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, who do you belong to? What do you come He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Kiratites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag. 
David asked him, can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master. And I'll take you down to them. See, I'm sure helping this man wasn't the most popular decision amongst, amongst the men. I mean, they wanted to kill David. Imagine what they wanted to do to this man. But you see, David, David understood that he was called to lead and not to follow. To stand out and not to fit in. To transform and not to conform. You and I are living in a counterculture society right now. None of the stuff that we do are going to make sense for the world. But I'm not here so the world can make sense to what I do. I'm here to show the world that there is a Christ that is still dying. A Christ that died for people and that is still in the business of restoring his people. That's what you and I have to do. We can't let the world come into the church. The church needs to infiltrate the world. And once we infiltrate the world, we cannot let them make us compromise our beliefs. No, they need to adjust to your belief. I always tell my kids, always, if you have a friend and that friend doesn't respect you for who you are, that is not your friend. That is not your friend. If that friend is telling you that, that you need to compromise your belief, that is not the person that you want with you. The same way that you're not going to tell them, you have to do this, you have to do this. No, they need to see who you are and they need to change on their own. They need to see Jesus in you so they can change. And if they don't like you because you follow Jesus, move on to the next one. Move on to the next one. Because you know what? The truth of the matter is this. You'd rather stand by God and be judged by men than stand with men and be judged by God. There is no, oh, second choice, second chance after that. What, once that trumpet goes off, there is no, oh, I'm going I'm, I'm to give it a try now. No, your time is now. And that, only, and that applies to us too. We might have friends that we need to drop. We need to just cut them off. You're not, you're not helping me. I'm trying to be a good man, but you ain't helping me with this. So, sorry, I need to take a sabbatical from you. See you in three months. Three months, you're still acting like a fool? See you in another six months. See you in a year. Sorry, can't waste my time on you. I've been praying for you for a year and you still have the same man. You still have the same man, can't waste my time with you. I'm done. I am done. We can't compromise. But we need to understand people. We need to understand that this culture is going to hurt us. But we need to see past the anger and the pain. You see, David had his enemy. Loving people in spite of their sin will change the world. Right? You see, Jesus disapproves the sin in people, but he loves the person. If you and I, as a church, can't separate one from the other, we're not different than the Levi and that priest that just passed by the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan story. We need to differentiate between them too. We need to see the difference. Listen, you can change someone's life with your mercy nowadays. You open the door for someone and people go like, oh my God, thank you. And you're like, all I did is open the door for you. But that's uncommon right now. It just doesn't happen. But you make those gestures. You are genuine. You are kind. And you can change someone's life. Someone can be having a horrible day. You go and you tell them, you know what, I'm praying for you. Well, you know what? Everything is going to be okay. 
God is in control and their demeanor just changed. We need to see that. We need to see past, we need to see past the, the anger of people. So you see, Jesus gives us mercy. I mean, isn't that how he changed your life and mine? I know my, change, my life was changed because when I was, really, when I was being extremely, extremely bad, knowing who Jesus was, having the word of God, having brought up in church, knowing about hell, knowing about heaven, knowing about salvation, knowing about what it is to be good to your fellow men, I gave my back to Jesus. And I started living my own life the way I wanted because that's what fit Renee's desires. Nothing else mattered but what I wanted, when I wanted, whatever I wanted, and how I wanted. But then Jesus shows up with his mercy. Jesus said, listen, you have two choices. You can stay the way you are. But you see, I had the word of God. So I knew that I wasn't being good. I knew that that wasn't my calling. Oh, he said, but I could change you with my mercy. I love you just like you are. I know that other people, one, have conditions to extend their love. And they're like, you have to do this, you have to do that. But God is like, come as you are. All the bad things that you have, we'll take care of them. Don't worry about it. Point number four, God is in the business of restoration. Look what it says. He let David down and they there were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistine and from Judah. They befought them from dust until the evening of the next day. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. You see, God does the heavy lifting. But you and I need to fight. The Bible, from what we read, they were coming back and it took them three days to come back. They caught the men that had been left behind for three days. That means that to get to the enemy camp, to the enemy's camp, they were there. It took them six days to get there. It's just common sense will tell us, right, that these men had been physically tired from riding. They were emotionally drained after finding destruction and desolation at home and not knowing how their families were. They cried until they couldn't cry no more. They were spiritually exhausted. But when they got to the enemy's camp, there was no, oh, let us rest to go and, and fight for our families and our kids. Oh, but I'm tired because I work for 12 hours. I can't pray five minutes for my daughter. I can pray five minutes for my son who's struggling with his faith. I can pray five minutes for my marriage. Pray on the train. Oh, but I'm listening to music. Hey, Christian music is good. But praying to God is better. Letting God know, hey, God, you know I'm struggling right now. You know my son needs you. You know that he needs you. You know that she needs you. You know my, my marriage needs you. You know my job. I'm struggling right now. But we need to do that. We need to go and despite everything, in spite of the tiredness, I mean, six days, but they knew that it was time for business. You see, the world is having a feast out there right now. It's time for you and I to ruin that party. It's time to let them know, no, there is a church, a church that needs to be respected, a church that will not conform to the patterns of this world but a church that will transform this world by the word of God and who's that it is you it is me it's your marriage it's my marriage it's the way you act at work and it's the way that I act at work that's how you and I are going to change this world 
It's not angels that are going to come and do it. No, it's your testimony. What's your testimony at work? What is it that you do? See, too many of us walking around sorry, feeling sorry for ourselves because how things were before. Have you ever heard this? How my marriage was before, how my health was before, how my children were before, how my kids were before, how my commitment with Jesus was before, and how my love for others was before. Jesus is like, stop! Stop living in what he was and fight for what he could be. Fight for what you have lost. Go to the enemy's camp. Claim what the devil took from you. Stop just, stop just telling me. Oh, but this, oh, but that. No, take action. Who do you serve? I am the powerful God. I am the one who sent you. I am the one that invested in your marriage. I, before they're your kids, they're my kids. And if you're in pain for them, I'm even more pain for them. But we need to cry out. We need to cry out knowing and understanding that God is in the business of restoration, no destruction. Restoration. And one, God wants to restore what has been taken from you. And I have this illustration that I saw. What is this? This is a $50 bill. Some of you can see it. Some of you, let me put my glasses. To see it. Don't feel bad. I'm the same way. I can see from here, but you see, you see that I keep moving back because I can read it clearly. If I go like this, I gotta be like, this is a $50 bill, right? So now, if I fold this bill, how much is it worth? Same, $50, right? So what if I do this? How much is it worth? $50. What if I do this? No, easy. Don't kill the illustration. And I go like that. How much is it worth? So if this bill retain its value after being folded, crushed, thrown around, and stepped on, are you going to tell me that your life is worth less because of what you have lost? Is your life worth less than $50 because you have a struggling marriage? Because your kids are struggling in their faith? Because you feel emotionally broken? Because you don't want to keep on living? Because you don't earn much money? You don't have the perfect job? Because you're not a pastor, a teacher, you don't sing in the worship team, or you feel like a bad husband, a bad father, a son, daughter, sibling, friend. And because you see yourself as a liar, an addict, a failure, because you got bad news from the doctor. And I could keep going on and on and on and on until I'm going to say something that is going to hit your nerve. But the answer to all of this is absolutely no. We're just broken hearts in need of Jesus. We're just souls ready to take back what belongs to you and me in the name of Jesus. We're just people in desperate need of a redeemer. We're just souls searching for a purpose. People with tons of limitations and doubts looking for someone who can love us just as we are. That's what you and I are. And I finished already. And if you need prayer, to apply this to you or there is something that struck your nerve you have two choices 
You can walk out with the doubt. Was that word for me? Was God really talking to me? Was he really trying to get my attention? If those are your thoughts, yeah, that word was for you. That word was for you. But the devil is telling you, oh, don't go because that's going to show weakness. No, I'd rather be, I, I want to be weak before Jesus all the time. I have no problem whatsoever. When Paul, bo when Paul was going to boast, what did he say? I'm going to boast about my witnesses. I'm going to boast about the churches that I opened, the 13 churches that I opened, all the trips that I did. No, 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 no. I'm going to boast about the fact, but now we come strong in who? In Jesus who can do it all. That's what we need to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that it blesses and encourages your life.